Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, open up to Luke 18, Luke chapter 18. Um, Let me just catch you all up on something. I know some of you saw this maybe on Facebook uh, or were made aware of this. Um, Yesterday, Pastor Joe was splitting some logs um, out of his parents' property, and Finger got caught in a log splitter. And uh, thankfully, by the grace of God, uh, he didn't lose his finger, but it's gnarled up pretty bad. And so um, his mom told me that when they asked the doctor how many stitches they put in, the doctor said, a lot. So um, pray for him. He texted me this morning, and he said uh, that the pain medication and the adrenaline is wearing off, and he is in a lot of pain today. Um, But by God's grace, I mean, his finger's going to be okay, probably be a little funny looking. But uh, yeah, praise God for his protection over Pastor Joe, and uh, especially being a worship leader. I don't know how to play guitar, but I assume you need most of your fingers to do that. So, and I just want to just brag on Jesus real quick, if that's okay. Um, I wasn't here last week. I was able to speak at a church in Johnstown that supports us and just encourage them. Um, But aside from that, just things to celebrate today, um, our Finding Hope Center, we literally have a trailer full of stuff that's going to be heading out into the community right after church today, which is super special. Um, We're kicking off some stuff this afternoon with our student ministry for the very first time. And so those in 6th through 12th grade are going to be going to play laser tag this afternoon and go and grab some lunch together. So we're getting that off of the ground. Um, You probably saw an email this week where we've begun raising up elders in our church. And so over the next few months, we'll be getting some elders established in our congregation. Um, And there's like a hundred other things that I should probably share with you this morning. But I was just reminded last night as I was preparing for this message and just reviewing my notes, Ephesians 3.20. You've heard me say this a billion times. I'm going to say it again, and we're going to get into heaven, and we're all just going to be saying it as well. We are living in the middle of a miracle. Jesus is doing exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or imagine in our midst, and I never want to grow weary or tired of God's activity around us. And so I encourage you, keep your spiritual eyes open. Our other phrase is Jesus is doing a lot with a dot. We may not be the biggest church in town, but Jesus is doing a lot of big things around us, and I never want to grow tired of of just having a front row seat to all of that. Well, if you have a copy of the Scriptures, Luke chapter 18 is where we're going to be today, Luke chapter 18, as we close out this series, The God Who Speaks, and uh, hopefully this has been helpful for you. If you'll stand with me in honor of reading God's Word, Luke 18, we're going to read verses 1 through 7, and God's Word says this, it says, Now Jesus told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. And there was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. Verse 4, for a while he was unwilling, but later the judge said to himself, even though I don't fear God and I don't respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she does not wear me out with her persistent coming. Verse 6, and then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay in helping them? Let's pray. God, we love you. Father, we thank you for the many things that we can celebrate your activity in our midst. And Father, we thank you for giving us a front row seat. God, we thank you for your protection over Pastor Joe yesterday. God, the wisdom that you gave the doctors yesterday evening. God, we just pray for him as he's resting this morning and and just beginning the healing process with that. But God, we pray right now as we walk through your word this morning, 
That God, you would be in our midst. Grow us and teach us, mold us, shape us into the image of Jesus. God, we need open ears to hear from heaven today. And not just open ears, but receptive hearts. God, and we don't want just receptive hearts, but we want obedient spirits as well. Because what good is it to hear the word of God if we do nothing with it? So draw us close to Jesus. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I've shared this with you before, but in our home, we have tried, like many of you, to make prayer a consistent practice, something that we do on a regular basis with our daughters. And one thing I always, when I get the opportunity to teach on prayer that I remember back on is when my oldest daughter was young, and she would typically pray three times each day. One that I I fondly miss was when she was about five years old and I would take her to kindergarten. We'd arrive in the school parking lot about 15 minutes early because in my world, if you're not early, you're late. That's just how I'm wired. And we would sit there and before she would get out of the car, we would pray with one another and she would pray something like this. She'd say, dear God, help me have a good day at school. And then she'd always pray this and help me make new friends. In Jesus' awesome name I pray, amen. She prays like her mom. My wife prays like that too. She ends every prayer instead of in Jesus' name. Every woman in my family says, in Jesus' awesome name, I pray, amen. Sophia, at that same age time, she would pray at dinner, something like this. Dear God, thank you for this food. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. But my favorite one was when you would tuck her into bed at night. And I'm just going to reenact this for you because this is typically how this prayer went. She would sit there and she'd fold her hands like this and she'd kind of sit up in the bed and she'd say something like this. She'd say, dear God, please protect me. And then she'd drop her hands, typically put them down on her waist, and she'd look you dead in the eye, and she'd go, now you go, Dad, and don't forget to pray for sweet dreams. And I miss that. I miss that with the bottom of my heart. Our youngest, Colby, who's five years old now, she prays like this every night before bed. I'm not making this up. My wife will verify it. Every night before she goes to sleep, she prays this prayer. Dear God, help me have sweet dreams about sleeping in a hotel. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Every night she prays about sleeping in a hotel. I don't know why. But in her mind, that is like the epitome of awesome. And praying is, with kids is awesome. You've probably prayed prayers like this before. Remember this one? God is good. God is great. Now we thank him for this food. Amen. Or this creepy prayer that maybe your pra- parents prayed over you when you were young. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray my lo- the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake. Did you hear that? If, imagine praying that with your six-year-old. If you die before you wake. You know. I pray, still pray that. That's scary. I'm just kidding. I pray the Lord my soul to take. Goodness, that's a strange prayer. But what I want us to wrestle with today is this uh, idea of prayer. And we've, we've talked about this many times, but, but it fits into our, our series today about hearing God's voice. And I want to make sure we have a right understanding of what prayer is, but also in conjunction with that, a right understanding, hear me, this is important, of how to listen for God's response in our prayers The last three weeks, we've been just tackling this idea of how God speaks to his children, and it all culminates with this idea, this practice of prayer. There in Luke 18, we're encountering in this passage what's known as a parable in the Gospels. If you're unfamiliar with that term, maybe it's new to you, that's a a church word, parable. Uh, It's a word that simply means a story that was told by Jesus used to communicate truth. If you are a note taker, I would write this down. I've, I've heard this definition a million times of parables. It's an earthly story, so something that we understand to communicate something with a heavenly meaning. Jesus did this often. He would use very familiar things to the people that he was speaking to to communicate truth about the kingdom of God. 
And in this story here, seven verses, this parable that Jesus tells us, he answers the question, what is prayer and how does God answer prayer? Two important things for us to understand as followers of Jesus. So let's just jump right in. If you're a note taker, grab a pen. If you're not a note taker, hopefully you got a good memory. But first off, let's answer the question. Here it is. Question number one, what is prayer? Now, here's what's interesting about the human brain. We talked about this uh, a year ago when we talked about anxiety and depression and all these things. Um, The human brain, we like to close thought loops. Did you know that? So every time you're asked a question, subconsciously and sometimes consciously, whether you realize it or not, you answer every question that someone asks you. What's your favorite dog? Right now in your brain, either you're thinking of your favorite dog or you're sitting there going, I won't answer your question, Pastor Aaron, which is still an answer to my question. Humans like to close thought loops. So even the simple question of what is prayer, here's probably some of the responses. Some of you might be thinking, I heard of it, I don't know. Some of you might be thinking in your brain, uh, don't care. Or we might be forming a definition based on understanding or experience from our past. But this is an important question for us to answer. What is prayer? Let's look at our text. Verse number 2 of chapter 18, verses 2 and 3. Jesus answers this question through this parable. Here's what it says. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God and didn't respect people. Verse 3, and a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. So right out of the gate, we need to understand something. Jesus, we see it again in verse 1, is using this story to help us understand as followers of Jesus what prayer is. The judge in this story, verse 2, is negatively depicting God. The widow in this story is representing you and me coming to God with our needs and communicating those to Him. So with those things in mind, not to be too simplistic, what is prayer? Simply put, prayer is communication with God. I know that's simple, but I think a lot of times we don't quite understand that. Prayer is communication with God that you and I have the opportunity to take what is on our hearts and bring them before the one who has solutions. Yet notice this as well in verse 3 there in Luke chapter 18. When the widow comes to the judge in verse 3, the implication is she comes with a certain expectation. She comes to the judge with the expectation that the judge is going to respond to her request. Because as you continue reading this story that Jesus is telling, it's not logical for this woman to continue to bring her needs before this judge only for the judge not to respond. If she didn't think he would respond to her need, why would she continue to come? So I want to change our definition of prayer here. Prayer is communication with God. We're going to go back to elementary school. You all remember the little carrot that you had to do in elementary school when you wanted to add a word to a sentence? If you take notes, add the carrot, all right? Here's what prayer is. This is so important. Prayer is two-way communication with God. I told Pastor Joe this week, I think if we're honest, most of us would agree with the definition of prayer as communication with God. Most of us would agree with the definition that prayer is two-way communication with God. But we're still a little confused on how the two-way communication happens. We're pretty good at talking to God. But if prayer is two-way communication, it means that we speak to God and He speaks back to us. But how does God speak back to us? It's important for the follower of Jesus to understand how that actually works. That we're invited into the presence of the Creator of the universe because of what Jesus did on the cross. That blows should blow our mind in and of itself. 
Let me show you another verse here, Hebrews 10, 19. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, Christians, followers of Jesus, we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus. I mean, what an opportunity you and I have as, as Christians that we get to approach the throne of the God of the universe with our needs and requests, with full understanding based on the authority of Scripture that He will talk back to us. But let's also answer a couple important questions before we get there. How should we approach God? Like, how do we actually talk to Him? The way I communicate, just for example, with one of you as my friends and my wife is different, right? <laughs> I wouldn't call up Pastor Joe, seeing how he was with his finger, and said, hey, sweetheart, how you feeling? Probably not okay, all right? But that's how I call my wife. The way we communicate with different people is different based on the position that they hold in our lives. So if we have the opportunity to communicate with the God of the universe, how we approach Him matters. And the Scripture is so clear that how we approach Him can actually affect how He hears us. Let me give you a few examples of this. When we come to God, always make sure first that we come with the right posture. When we pray, we come with the right posture. Even in this story of the persistent widow and the judge here in Luke chapter 18, something important needs to be noted. The widow needed justice, but she didn't take the task of getting justice into her own hands. Who did she go to? She went to the judge. Why? Because that's what the judge's role was, was to give justice. She knew that's what judges did, so she continued to come to him. She knew that his role was to provide solutions to the problems that she was facing. And so even though he didn't answer the first time, what would she do? She humbled herself and she went back. And he didn't answer again, and so she humbled herself and she went back and she went back and she went back. She approached the judge in a posture of humility. What's the application for the Christian in the 21st century? When we pray, goodness, this is so important, we need to approach God in a posture of humility. I think that maybe a little bit of culture has seeped into um, our lives, and I'm so guilty of this, where I've forgotten at times that He is God and I'm not. I'm not. And the way I approach my God needs to be in a posture of humility, respect, and awe, because He's God and I'm not. I was reminded this week in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. When the disciples came to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he gives them this example of prayer. Uh, side note, this is not a prayer that is meant to be repeated over and over. This is meant to just kind of function as an outline. Where the Lord says, here's an example. Here's a pattern. Here's an outline for you to follow as you pray. And notice how Jesus starts this example prayer. Verse, verse 9 of Matthew 6. He says, therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father, your name be honored as what? Holy. Holy meaning set apart, different from us, so much higher and grander than we are. When we approach the God of the universe, we remind ourselves who He is, that He is the God of the universe, and He allows us through His mercy to come to Him with our requests. We shouldn't view that flippantly, but we should always approach Him in a posture of humility because of who He is. But in that same regard, the other side of the coin, let's make sure we remind ourselves who we are. All right, Matt Chandler said something similar to this years ago, but he basically said this. You ready for it? This is going to encourage your socks off. 
You're not awesome. Thank you, Aaron, for that word. I'll carry that the rest of the week. Like, we're not awesome. We're not, and I don't don't say this to, to be mean. I'm not great, and neither are you. But man, we serve a really great God. That's our identity is not in who we are, but who He is, and that He's chosen us as His children. Let's not forget who we are. When we come to Him, we come in a humble posture because of who He is, but because also because of who we are. Isaiah chapter 6, you can turn there if you'd like to. I want to show you one verse quickly. In Isaiah chapter 6, when he approaches the throne of God, he's having this vision of heaven. Isaiah approaches the throne of God, and he's going to talk back and forth with God for a moment. And you'll notice in Isaiah 6 that here's how he doesn't come to God. Isaiah does not come strolling up to the throne like, what's up, my guy? How you doing? We, we got too much of that. That's not how we talk to God. What, what does he say in Isaiah 6 verse 5? Woe is me. Woe is me. I'm, I'm ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. Let me put that in modern vernacular for us today. Um, the message translates this way. I'm not a, not a huge fan of, of teaching from that, but I think it translates it well. The message Bible translates it this way. I'm as good as dead. I'm as good as dead. Because when we understand who we are in comparison to who our God is, we're as good as dead. We're nothing in comparison to Him. And so, friends, let's make sure, like, we have access to God through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That's true. But when we come to God, let's be aware of who we are. We're sinful state. Psalm 66, verse 18, David talks about that. Only realizing that the reason we have access is because Jesus has allowed it. Man, that's a great posture to take in prayer. Here's the second thing. Let's also make sure that we come in the right pursuit. Look at verse uh, 3 of Luke chapter 18, that parable. What was the widow after? We've said this a few times. She wanted justice. In this story, someone wronged her and it needed to be made right. Simple question. We could ask first graders this. Everybody's going to answer this. When you need justice, who do you go to? Judges. That's the role of a judge. They give justice. So she was simply going to the judge asking for something, you ready, that the judge should already be doing. Judges give justice. That's who they are. That's what they do. That's what they're already doing in the world. So what's our application? When we pray, friends, when we pray, we need to come to God looking to be tuned in to what He's already doing in the world. We need to come to God to be tuned in to what He's already doing in the world, tuned into His plan, tuned into His, His will. Yes, we do get to come to God with our requests. He invites that. He invites us to do that. But at the end of the day, when we pray, we come to God with the understanding that above all, we want His will to be done on this earth more than anything. That's the hardest thing for us to wrestle with, and it's even harder to say, do we want the will of God executed on our life more than any request we may bring to Him? Do you want the will of God to be executed in your life, through your life, and around your life more than you want anything else in your life? Jesus, in the model prayer of Matthew 6.10, what did He say? He said, Lord, Your kingdom come. Your will be done. There's no personal pronouns of I or me in there. It's God's will, God's kingdom. Can we pray like that? God, more than anything, I want Your kingdom to expand on this earth. 
God, more than anything, more than any request I bring to you, I want the gospel to transform my life and the life of those around you. God, more than anything, I want your will to be executed on the earth. Man, that's... Lord, if I'm praying anything that's out of line with your will, God, would you change me to understand what you're doing instead? And that's one of the hardest prayers for a Christian to pray. Because a lot of times God's answers to our prayers, they might not make a lot of sense, but they're still perfectly in line with his will. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says this, this is the confidence we have before God that if we ask anything in accordance with his will, he hears us. He hears us, and if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have whatever we've asked of him. We need to be praying in accordance with the will of God. That's a hard prayer to pray. Here's the third one. We pray with the right presumption. Take note of the widow in Luke 18. Three words that describe her. Verse 3, it says that she kept coming. Verse 5 says that she was pestering the judge. Verse 5 also says she was persistent. What was her presumption in coming to this judge? It might take a while. I might have to keep coming back, but eventually he's going to answer me. Do we approach prayer with that same presumption? Do we really believe, y'all, that when we pray to God that he hears us and he responds to our prayers? Look at James chapter 1. In asking God for wisdom, this prayer that James talks us, to, to, talks us through, excuse me, starting in verse 5 of James 1, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously and ungrudgingly, and watch this, and it will be given to him. Ask God for wisdom, he'll give it to you. But then look at this, verse 6, but let him ask with faith, in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind, and that person shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Isn't that wild? James specifically tells us right there, you shouldn't only pray, but you should have a presumption that God's going to hear you and answer. So ask in faith. I'm so guilty, and I know you are too, if we had to raise hands in the room where we pray, but we pray really not believing that God's actually going to answer our prayer. Yeah? God, I'm going to do this because it's what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not really sure if you're going you're to answer this the way that maybe I think you should, Lord. I, I'm not really positive. Do we actually believe God answers our prayer? Friends, we learn from the persistent widow, don't stop coming to him. God may not answer the way that you expect. God may not, oh, this is, this is important. God may not answer in the time frame that we expect, but God always answers. If you've never heard this before, let me clue you into three things. Here's the answers that God gives to every prayer that every believer has ever prayed. Yes, not yet, and no. If you didn't know that, I would write those down. Every prayer that every believer prays, he answers with yes, not yet, or no. For example, King Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3, what did Solomon pray for? Wisdom. What did God say? Okay, yes. Solomon was the wisest human to ever walk the planet. When Paul wrote to, in Romans chapter 1 verse 10, he's writing to the church in Rome. We saw that several weeks ago in our series through the book of Romans. Paul prayed in that letter, Romans 1 verse 10, he prayed in that letter that he would be able to go to Rome soon. He wanted to get to that church and to visit those people. But the Bible teaches in Acts chapter 25 that it took three years from penning that letter to he arrived in Rome, and he didn't arrive on his own accord. He came to Rome as a prisoner. So when Paul wrote that, Romans chapter 1 verse 10, it took three years for it to actually be executed. Why does that matter? Because when Paul prayed, God said, not yet. In due time, I'll answer that prayer, but not yet. Think about the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 8. 
He had a thorn in his side, as he describes it, some sort of physical ailment. Nobody knows what it was. Many scholars believe it had something to do with his eyes and vision, some sort of blindness that he was dealing with. And he prays to God in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8. And what does the Lord respond to Paul with? No. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So no, Paul, I'm not going to answer that prayer. You see, sometimes God doesn't answer prayers the way that we want him to. But we come with the presumption that he'll answer every prayer. So let's tie it all together. How does God answer our prayers? We know the approach that we take. How does God actually answer our prayers? We said over the last three weeks that our, our, our Jesus speaks in three ways to us. Through his word, through his people, and through circumstances. So we believe at this church, based on the authority of Scripture, that Scripture is the primary place that God will speak to His children. That everything He communicates is going to be grounded in the Word of God. So here's a habit. This is so important for the follower of Jesus to develop. Don't you ever get in the habit of separating prayer and Bible reading. That is so important. If you are reading the Scriptures, you better be praying. If you're praying, you better be reading the Scriptures. Do not separate the two. Because we believe, and I believe the Scriptures teach, that God's primary way of speaking to us is through the Word of God. Everything that you and I need to know, you hear me, is contained in this book. Let me give you an example of this. I never really thought about this till this week. You know how often I've been praying like, throughout the years for my marriage? We all do that. Lord, Lord I just want a better marriage. I want to love my wife well. I want to be an example to people that are not yet married. And we pray all of these things in regard to our marriage. And I was writing that down, and the Lord said, um, Ephesians 6 kind of already talked about it. I've talked about that. So yes, pray that prayer, but then go and read my answer. We pray for things like parenting. Lord, I want to raise my kids well, and I don't know what to do in this situation or that situation. And the Lord says, that's fantastic. What a, thank you for bringing that to me. Um, Proverbs 23. Go there. I already talked about it. There's your answer. Financial situations, man, we get this one all the time. I, I just want to be better financially. I want to be more responsible. I want to be more generous. I need this, need that financially. And Jesus says, fantastic. Matthew 6, I talked about it. Thank you for bringing that request to me. Now there's your answer. It's in Matthew chapter 6. Some of you are dealing with this right now. Lord, I need wisdom in my life. Because I've got a job change, a career change, a family situation. Lord, I just need wisdom. And what did James 1 tell us just a few minutes ago? He gives wisdom to all those who ask if we ask in faith without doubting. And then I was reminded, the Lord said, oh, P.S., I also wrote an entire book called Proverbs, which is all wisdom. Read it. There's your answer. Don't separate the Word of God from our prayers. Sometimes we... <laughs> Look, here's the deal. Lord, I just need to know if you're going to take care of my financial situation. If you are, God, would you make a squirrel run across the power line? Because, Lord, then I'll know that that's an answer from you. And God says, Dodo, just open the book. Just open the book. I've written down the answers to the things that you are praying. But you know what we have to be like? The widow in Luke 18. Because what did she do? She made the request and then chased down the answer. She chased down the answer to her own requests. She didn't just go to the judge and say, I need justice, and then walk away and go sit in her recliner in her home and wait for the judge to knock on her door. What did she do? She came back every day looking for the answer to her request. Y'all, sometimes we're praying for this stuff and we pray one time and then we go and sit in our lazy boy and watch Netflix and drink a cherry Coke and we're like, God's not answering my prayer. 
And God's going, yeah, I am, but you're not opening the book. Search for it. Find it because I gave you the answers to everything that you're praying, but you're not looking for it in the Scriptures. Chase down His will. Chase down His glory, Matthew 6, verse 10. Understand that God has already written down every answer. It might not be what we expect, but it's for our good. You remember Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Understand that His answers, even they're always good and they're always right, and His wisdom is greater than ours, even when it doesn't feel like it. I was reminded of this verse, Romans eleven thirty three, this week. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and untraceable His ways. God, I don't like the answer to your prayers. And God says, that's fine. You don't see things the way I do. How often do you and I, I do this all the time, I drive through Columbus and I'm sitting there going, if I find the guy that designed these streets, we're going to fist fight, you know? Like I just can't deal with it. Then you get in an airplane and you get an aerial perspective and you look down and you see the intentionality behind the grid work and the way that rows were designed and, and you see it from an aerial view and you sit back and you go, oh, that makes more sense. Let's stop with our finite perspective trying to explain the infinite mind of our God. His ways are untraceable. We just trust Him that His answers are good and they're right. And we lean into that. We saw two weeks ago that God speaks through our circumstances still. Let's remember this. This is important. Our God's sovereign over everything. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11, we saw that. His answers could be seen in our circumstances. You've heard this phrase before. It's cliche, but it still matters. God may open some doors and He may close others. Our God is sovereign over everything. He's sovereign over where you go. He's sovereign over what we do. He's sovereign over everything. So God could be speaking to you in your circumstance, but let's make sure that whatever the circumstance is, it's grounded in what the Word of God already says. Scriptures are always primary. Pastor Joe reminded us last week, that God can speak to us through other followers of Jesus who come to us, and be careful doing this, me and Joe talked about this, who come to us and say, I have a word from the Scriptures for you. You better be certain, by the way. I can tell you how many times in my life I've had people come to me and they say, I believe that God told me to tell you this. And boy, howdy, were they wrong. Be careful speaking on behalf of the Lord if you're not 100% positive that He gave you a Scripture for somebody else. But God can use other people to speak the truth of His Word. Here's a prime example. One thing we try to do at Living Hope is every message that we preach, nine times out of ten, we ground it in at least one section of Scripture. We, we prefer to walk through books of the Bible, but sometimes we do series like Listen, where we walk through different subjects or, or ideas, topics. And what I was trying to do with this passage is I couldn't find like the Scripture to like ground this thing. And I'm like, where does the Scripture just clearly talk about prayer and hearing God's voice. I couldn't find it anywhere. And I felt like Jacob in the book of Genesis. You remember that story where he wrestles with the, the angel of the Lord at night, and he's like, Lord, give me a blessing. And the angel ends up popping him in the hip, and he has this like permanent limp to remind him of what that encounter with the Lord. That's what I felt like. And so it was Wednesday morning. I came to the church office. Joe was here working on some stuff. And uh, I walked into the office. I said, man, I just have to go over to the kids' ministry side. I'm going to shut out the whole world. Like, i got to figure this out because I just don't feel like I have this something from the Lord yet. Like, I don't feel like that blessing that I need to deliver to the church. And I've been fighting with him for days over this. And Pastor Joe, as Pastor Joe does, crosses his arms, does, you all know what I'm talking about, kind of looks up. What about Luke 18? 
Well, daggone, you're right. And God used Joe, that's when he had ten fingers, not, not nine and a half. Too soon? Too soon, too soon. Okay, too soon. I take that back. Joe, if you're watching, love you. Um, God used Joe in that simple moment where Joe said, Luke 18, parable of the persistent widow. That talks about it perfectly. The Lord already answered the question. Go to that passage. And here we are this morning. God can speak through people. Friends, prayer is how we chase down the voice of God. It's how we align ourselves to God's activity. It's how we understand and know what He wants us to do. And it's made possible through Jesus. That we have access, boldness, to enter into the throne room of God because of the blood of Jesus. I want to close with this story. I shared this story back in April. It's my favorite story on prayer, and I think it closes it out well. And I hope that you'll, you'll tune into this. Every time I share this story, I, I tear up because I want to pray like this. story goes like this as we close. It says a man's daughter had asked a local pastor to come and pray with her father. And when the pastor arrived, he found this older gentleman laying in bed with his head propped up with two pillows. And next to his bed, sitting there, was an empty chair. And so the pastor made the assumption He said, oh, I I guess that you were expecting me today. And the gentleman laying in that hospital bed said, actually, no, who are you? And this young pastor said, well, I'm actually the new associate pastor at your church. I saw that empty chair there next to your hospital bed, and I assumed that you knew I was coming, that someone must have told you. And the older man, close to death, simply replied with, he said, yeah, that that chair, um, Pastor, close the door real quick. I want to share something with you. He said, I've never shared this with anybody, not even my daughter. He said, but I've never known exactly how to pray. He said, you know, my, at my church, the pastor often would talk about prayer, but he said it just always went over my head. He said, years ago, it was so confusing and it always felt so awkward and weird that I just abandoned any attempt to pray. Until about four years ago, I had a friend come to me and I shared that concern with him and he said, no, he said, prayer is just having a conversation with Jesus. And my friend suggested this simple habit. He said, when you pray, sit down in a chair, take another empty chair and place it in front of you and in faith, simply picture Jesus sitting there. He said, it's not spooky like it really sounds because the Lord did promise I'll be with you always. He said, when you see that chair and you're sitting in one and you have an empty chair in front of you. He said, just speak to the Lord like you're having a conversation and listen like you and I are doing right now. He said, honestly, it felt weird at first, but he said, I figured I'd give it a try. And a couple hours a day, I find myself just sitting there in one chair talking to this empty chair in front of me. He said, preacher, I'll be honest with you, though. I'm real careful about who I show this habit to. He said, because I'm telling you, if my daughter saw me, she'd think I was having a nervous breakdown and would send me to the loony bin. But the pastor was so deeply moved by the story He said, sir, thank you for this visit and thank you for sharing with me. He said, keep doing that. Keep praying like that. The pastor prayed with him and he left. Two nights later, that pastor got a phone call from that older gentleman's daughter. She said, my my father passed away earlier this afternoon. The pastor said, did he seem to die in peace? She said, yeah, I went and visited him about two o'clock. He called me over to his bedside, told me some of his corny jokes, kissed me on the cheek. We hugged. And off I went. She said, about an hour later, I came back from the grocery store, walked into the hospital room, and there he was. He had passed away. She said, but something was strange. She said, Pastor, I'm going to be honest. It was actually a little weird. She said, because apparently just before my dad died, 
He leaned over and rested his head on the chair that was sitting beside his bed. I want to pray like that. A God that hears, a God that speaks, made possible through the sacrifice of Jesus. Can I pray for us as the praise team comes? God, we love you. Father, we thank you for the reminder from the scriptures this morning that, God, you hear us. God, you're speaking. Lord, may we be a people of the word, dedicated, God, to bringing our request to you, but, Lord, also like that widow, God, chasing down the answers, knowing that you hear us and you respond. We love you, Jesus. I pray now as we sing that our voices are a sweet sound through the corridors of heaven. We're giving you that praise that you deserve and only you deserve. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.